0: What does it take to make a tiny business achieve sales of millions a year?
1: It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas.
0: Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. This week, we're doing something a little different. Rather than talking to a retailer, I'm chatting with a best-selling author. Now, I know a lot of you are looking to grow your business in a very lean, interesting, flexible way and go big with a very small team. So when I heard that one of our past guests, the author of the brilliant, the million dollar one person business had a new book coming out that builds on what happens next, I guess, for the million dollar one person business, I knew we had to get um, Elaine on the show. So Elaine is back. We are talking about her newest book, which came out merely a couple of days ago. It's called Tiny Business, Big Money, Strategies for Creating a High Revenue Micro Business. And the tips and insights and case studies she's about to share are relevant for you, whether you are the one person business looking to start building ever bigger, or even whether you're a massive business looking to get ready for the growth challenges coming up ahead. There are some brilliant, brilliant tips and case studies she's about to share with us. So let's hear the sponsors and then we'll meet with Elaine. Are you looking to increase your sales without a lot of extra work? OmniSend's email and SMS marketing automation platform is tailor-made for e-commerce businesses like you. It's got everything you need to start making more sales immediately, including one-click integrations with the major e-commerce platforms and super easy migration from your existing email marketing platform. They even have award-winning all-human 24-7 customer support who will help you out in under six minutes. No more trying to get past the chatbot. Omnisend is trusted by over 70,000 e-commerce brands and me. Yes, we run our email marketing on the Omnisend platform. Ready to join us? Well, sign up for a free account at ecmp.info forward slash Omnisend and use the code masterplan2022 to save 15% on paid plans when you need them. And now to introduce today's guest expert, Elaine Pofeld is a journalist who has contributed to Forbes.com, CNBC, Inc., and Money Magazine, among others. She's also the author of the brilliant book, Tiny Business, Big Money: Strategies for Creating a High Revenue Micro Business. It's brand new, published just a few days ago. And in it, Elaine shares her blueprint for going high revenue without
2: building a huge team of people. Hello, Elaine. Hello, Chloe. Nice to be back on the show. And thank you for that kind intro. Uh, It's great to be chatting with you
0: again. I can't believe how long ago it was we last talked. And I did love your last book. And I love this book too. So what led you to write this one?
2: One of the things I found, Chloe, was in keeping in touch with the entrepreneurs from the first book, those one-person businesses, when I updated the million dollar one person business, some of them were not one person businesses anymore. They keep evolving. And a lot of them were telling me it was a little challenging to go from having all the freedom of being a solopreneur to having a team that they had to manage or else they would become a bottleneck. Um, becoming a leader um, and and um, communicating what you need done isn't second nature to people that are freelancers or, you know, solo e-commerce operators, et cetera. So I started asking entrepreneurs I was interviewing about how were they making that transition to having maybe like their first couple of employees or maybe an extended team of contractors. Maybe they have 10 or 15 people. Now they have a Monday meeting and all those people need to work together smoothly. So that was the genesis of the book. And I found it, it was very, very interesting how they were handling that because these are folks that some of them are digital nomads. They they like their freedom, um, and what I found was a lot of them weren't doing the traditional meetings. Um, you know, one entrepreneur Brian Dean at Backlinko, who's involved in SEO, he's managing his whole team on Notion. He doesn't have any meetings, and and that was the fun part to see how you could do this without becoming a mini corporation.
0: Looking back, it's kind of like the obvious next step was this book, because that's obviously what some people who are are creating the million dollar one person business are going to go on to do. But I love the fact that by by researching it, you found these kind of not groundbreaking, rule breaking ways of doing it. Because I think most people go, well, you've got to have weekly catch ups or daily stand ups or some form of conversation, you know, be it over Zoom or be it in person. So it's it's very cool you found these kind of role breakers.
2: You know, I, I think this is the next um, the next version of business, really. These people are really on the cutting edge because they always were rule breakers. When you think about entrepreneurship, nobody in the past really took seriously these one-person businesses. It was always go big or go home. If you're not venture-backed, the next unicorn we don't care about you. And then I think people started gravitating more towards these businesses in part because of the success of Amazon stores and the various one person businesses in e-commerce and seeing, wow, you can create a great career in this and have amazing freedom to do what you like, travel the world, you know, do your thing. Um and these folks were not tied into the traditional ways of doing business. So the way that they're evolving their business is is really meaningful, I think, in terms of just studying what their methods are because it works. The proof is in the pudding, you know, and they're getting great business results from this.
0: So I guess your book is clearly for people who are on that journey of going from being solopreneur to being, you know, uh, building their team out and all the rest of it. But I'm guessing there's quite a lot those who already have a team and maybe even big businesses can learn from it because it's different ways of doing business.
2: I think so. We In the US, and I think this is around the world, we're having the great resignation where people are quitting traditional jobs. And I think one of the reasons people are leaving that type of work is they hate all the meetings and bureaucracy. And I definitely think the bigger businesses can take a page from this and and maybe reexamine examine their methods and think about what's working for these businesses and if they could bring this to small business units. I remember seeing a statistic that no business unit should be beyond 10 people or else it starts to lose something. And the, the businesses I wrote about in the book go up to 20 um, employees, but they're not necessarily all in one location. Um, so these methods could work for small business units and, and I think work very effectively
0: excellent so let's let's zone in though on the people who are starting to build up from the one person to the 20 what having spoken to all these businesses doing that journey what is the key to their success what is it are there any kind of commonalities for these businesses to to make your life easier to build the success to make it all far more enjoyable i suppose
2: Well, first they get the business model right. And I know, you know, for people that are in e-commerce, maybe they try a few different products before they get the right business model. Then they build on that success. Um, Usually they'll go um, in a certain order where automation is the first step because there's a certain risk with hiring people, right? Just, you know, human beings being human beings. Then you'll see models where they'll go like automation plus contractor or automation plus outsourcing, Those those would be common ones in an e-commerce business. You know, maybe they are using Shipping Easy or something like that for the shipping or fulfilled by Amazon and they have an SEO person or the, you know, marketing firm, then they might evolve to adding their first employee. Maybe they find they need the contractor so often that the rates that they're paying the contractor are too high you know, like, and they need to negotiate a salary because it's actually more cost-effective. You know, if you're paying someone $150 an hour for five hours a week, that's not that much. But if you, 40 hours, it's like, then (laughs) then maybe they need to give you a discount for the certainty of having a paycheck. Um, And that's how it it will often go. Sometimes they go back and forth. Um, one, One of the businesses... Um, an entrepreneur named Jeffrey Stern, he makes the voice boxes for the build a Bear Workshop, which is a birthday party place in the US, has these little bears. And sometimes he, he's had all employees. Sometimes he's had employees plus contractors. Now he has all contractors. It's about a $4 million business with, I think, two contractors. He does what works at the time. And I think that's an important thing to think about too, in e-commerce, right? Like maybe there's a period of higher demand and maybe that makes it makes sense to have a lot of employees. Um, but then you know two years later, maybe you're kind of moving on to the next thing. Maybe you scale back a little bit and think about using outsourcing or contractors again for certain jobs, you know maybe as people leave by attrition. Um, it, it, it's very fluid and that that's been interesting to see
0: yeah i think it's that from what you're saying i'm i'm hearing that it's kind of yeah fluid i think is that is definitely the word for it and then it's dealing with the problems that you're actually facing or the opportunities that you're facing rather than thinking the world says i need employees so i better hire someone it's it's more right we need someone needs to handle this this for me what's the best way of fulfilling it and, and evolving rather than thinking. It, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's not one size fits all, is it? It's it's not when your sales reach X, you'll need to hire someone. It's very much more I feel the freedom to evolve as your business needs to evolve.
2: Yeah, I think it's really important not to get locked in. And I, that's what I love about these entrepreneurs because they are so iconoclastic. They they're not married to one way of doing business. They're such experimenters. Um, I, I love seeing that w- one of the e-commerce businesses I wrote about, um, the entrepreneur is named Julian O'Hayan. And I, I honestly don't even know where he's living. Every time I talk to him, he's in a different country. And he, um, his brand is called, it's Black Paris. And it, it's a streetwear brand for young men. The idea being um, all the clothes are black because it's easier to match them. And he started out doing black iPhone cases and then, you know, MacBook Air cases. Then he um, he went to sweatshirts. Um, he did sweatshirts. Um, and then he added digital products, which are almost all profit, as he explained to me. Like the on an iPhone, you have um, that little, you know, the cover where you have all the apps. The background is all black. And he had some app development courses, uh, app development um, costs. And once he made those back, it was basically all profit. And he found that that greatly improved the profits of his business. And I I thought that was an interesting lesson for a lot of people in the e-commerce space because there might be ancillary digital products you can develop. You know, like if you're selling fitness products, is there sort of, um, you know, a fitness app for somebody's phone that you can charge $5 for, but times whatever, you already have this marketing engine for your business. Why not use it for this and then improve your profits? You don't have a lot of costs beyond just the initial ones and maintaining it.
0: I love the fact that, and I guess this this plays into it somewhat that one of the early chapters you've put in the in the book isn't you know how to hire or how to expand. It's getting the right mindset. I've got the the exact title of the chapter wrong there, but it's it's resetting your mindset as the first step to doing this well. why why did you did you decide you were going to put that so early on in the book um and and how do we go about doing it, I suppose as well? Have you got a couple of tips?
2: I think most of us, whatever country in the world we've been raised in, are trained to be employees, basically like a school when they're talking about your future career. I can't remember a single instance of any teacher ever saying to me, entrepreneurship is a career. I mean, it's changing a little bit now, um, but I think we're just programmed to think that way. And it's the opposite mindset of being an entrepreneur I, I think in you know also a lot of us are taught by our parents that you're being an entrepreneur is so risky, and you won't have a steady paycheck. Like how will you ever own a home? You know and 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 that sort of thing. So you have to unlearn that a little bit. and what what I identified were a few different mindsets. One is, um and the chapter um is is mindset makeover. Um, be ready and willing to define your future. It's easier to hand that over to other people in your life and let them kind of encourage you strongly in one direction. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to take the reins and say, I'm going to own this. I'm going to choose this. It might not work out, but what if I took a job and it didn't work out? That's a risk too. And actually with entrepreneurship, you have multiple revenue streams, whereas with a job, if you lose that job, you've lost all your income. So, which one is riskier? There's not really a right answer to that. It's really how you view risk. Um, which is the, the next mindset is looking at risk through a different lens. One of the entrepreneurs in the book, Anthony Coombs, started a really interesting company. It's called Splendies. Um, there's companies like Birchbox proliferating in the U.S. I don't know if this is true everywhere. There, yeah,
0: we we have them as well. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. And his is um, plus size, sexy lingerie. Uh, and He found out about this niche um, from a cousin and he looked into it. He's a serial entrepreneur and he found it was really intriguing. And what he said to me was, what is a greater risk to put my future in the hands of a company owned by someone else or myself? I'd say working for someone else is a much greater risk. Now, not everybody thinks that way. And that's fine, but if if you want to be an entrepreneur, you kind of do have to look at it that way. Um, there's also ways to mitigate risk. One entrepreneur, Andy Humphrey, also an e-commerce entrepreneur, runs Sprinkler Supply Store. It's an online um, source of sprinklers. He's an irrigation expert. And what he did was he hired four employees to run that business, and he keeps doing irrigation consulting because it keeps his network fresh. He loves it. He knows he has that paycheck coming in. He's actually a self-employed irrigation specialist, so he's self-employed in both, but it kind of mitigates the risk. And that's part of this whole creative approach to looking at risk and risk management, Um, being willing to learn as you go along is really important too. There's not necessarily a course that's going to teach you everything you need (laughs) to know. And you probably see this all the time uh, with entrepreneurs in e-commerce, right? You could have three people selling basketballs in an e-commerce store and each one of them will do it a little differently and have different sales funnels and you know, different ways of interacting with customers and and so on, there's not a right way. It's really what's the right way for you. And you won't really know until you experiment. One of the entrepreneurs um, whose story I loved was Elizabeth Davis, who runs Shidabi. It's a, it's a shampoo company. It's an online company, mostly um which connects to its customers through Instagram. And she's an engineer by trade, but she always loved um, growing her hair long. And she was always researching which nutrients to take to make her hair um, break proof. And um, she started making shampoos in her kitchen. And then uh, she started um, testing it on friends and family. And when she found that these products were working, she started outsourcing the manufacturing and then she created a supplement, also outsourcing the manufacturing for that. But she had to learn it as she went along. She studied engineering and I'm sure she had kitchen disasters and things with the with the shampoos. But uh, that's really essential to be willing to put in the time. And that's why it's important to find something you're at least a little bit interested in. Um, another mindset that is critical is, being prepared to create the financial base that you need because most of us don't have a rich uncle to fund our business, right? We have to do it. Maybe we do it through our salary and we start the business on the side. Maybe we have um, spousal income or partner income and you live on one person's salary so that you can do the entrepreneurship or you save up or you Borrow against your life insurance. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you do need to put in that legwork or else what will happen is you're going to use up all your runway before the business is fully mature and you won't be able to really act on your dream in the end. And you might waste the money you put in because now you have to stop working on it. Um, And then you you need to be willing to keep showing up. Another e-commerce entrepreneur whose story I really loved, Abby Walker She runs Vivian Liu, which sells shoe inserts for people that love high heels. She worked in corporate and she loved, she has like a huge shoe closet and she's a mom um, somehow in between raising her, her children and going to work. She kept, she wrote a blog about high heels and in doing the blog, she somehow met these MIT scientists who had created this shoe insert to make stilettos much more comfortable and they really didn't know how to market and she was a marketer in her career and she said you guys are really not promoting this brand the way you should do you want a partner so she licensed the right to do that and she um kept it going but she had some bumps in the road like she wanted to be home with her kids around this business but she so she took the summer off but she wasn't able to really make enough to leave corporate. So then she had to go back into a corporate job for a while, but she kept working on the business. And then during the pandemic, when I spoke to her, nobody's wearing high heels, right? Cause they're all at <laughs> home in their fuzzy slippers. So she created another shoe insert, or I guess probably the MIT scientists did for um, athleisure shoes. I guess, um, you know, comfortable shoes that are not so comfortable. <laughs> and that's how she kept it going. And, and I, I thought that was very inspiring because she, she didn't really give up. You know, she just kept kept finding ways to make it work. And you do need to do that. It's almost like a yoga practice, right? Like if anyone listening takes yoga, I, I do yoga. I've been doing it for a few years now. And there's certain things I just could never do. There's this posture called the crow where you like, like perched on your elbows. And I used to fall on my face for like two years. I couldn't do it one day I just come in and I can do it. You'll never get to that day if you didn't do it all the other days where you were falling on your face. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that's a really important analogy, you know, or like if you do martial arts, any of these things that are really hard where you have to keep showing up, there's sort of a mystery to it where it all clicks and you just never know when that will come.
0: I Two of the things I really love of what you're saying here, Elaine, is that becoming a bigger business with more people involved, um, you still have to hold on to that flexibility and be ready to pivot and twist as great ideas come along and as problems come along that need to be solved. It's, it's not static. And I think, think that that kind of really sings true of these type of businesses. They're just not static. They are evolving all the time. But also that you can wake up one day and have an idea, but you've also got to have those foundations in place. Ready to do this, whether that's you know, support from from loved ones or whether and the financial side of it as well. There has to be something there at the base to get going. And reading the book, one of the things, and I, I love the appendix you've put together of this, these tables, the data tables in the back of the book. I warn, warn all of you who are going to read this book, you may get lost in them because they are rather fascinating. But there is there is an element of trying to find the right business type. If you want to live this kind of entrepreneurial life, because it's not not all business types are going to fit in this mold, are they? So, could you explain a little bit about that too, please, Elaine?
2: Oh, sure. Well, a lot, a lot of the um, folks who read the first book know I'm a complete geek about census data. I, I find it fascinating, and what I did for this book, I have two daughters who are like really good at math and programming, and we I, I had to put in multiple requests to the U.S. Census people um, to get information on the, um, the revenue and payroll size for the average businesses in the U.S. And I think it would probably be somewhat similar around the world. Um, and it, we calculated um, by programming these elaborate spreadsheets, the average revenue for every industrial code in America and the average payroll, and then subtracted the payroll from the revenue to see which ones had the most money left over. It's a very pr- clunky proxy for profit. Of course, it doesn't include all the other costs, like in manufacturing, maybe you have high energy costs. Um, but it's just a, a thought starter about where the money is flowing. And my kids said I was chuckling like a mad woman when, when we got the results, and I really was. It's true. Um, for, we grouped it by the number of employees. So up to four employees, five to nine employees and 10 to 19, because that tells you something about the capital requirements, right? Like if the business needs 19 employees and you really have no bank funding, it might be hard to make payroll and sustain it. So a good starting point would be the up to four employees for somebody who's new to business. Um, Just to give you an example, casinos, were the number one in that category. I'm not encouraging anyone to start a casino. It seems very specialized. And I think they're gas station casinos. I was inquiring about this because I didn't know how you could run a casino with just four people. Um, it's
0: kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? I saw that um, everyone. I've I've seen a proof copy of the book, but I haven't seen the final one as we record this. And I looked at that table and I thought, "Well, I love this table, but casinos at the top. This must be an early draft version, but clearly not. It's it's just
2: mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. I, um, but well, I'll get I'll, I'll I'll go beyond that idea in a moment. But like the second one was creamery butter manufacturing, and I looked into this and. I found this website for for a trade organization in the butter industry. Um, And they said, you know, we are the Butter Institute or whatever their name is. We are 29 companies that control 90% of the butter industry in America. And I thought, well, what a good little niche. And I asked Dana Derricks, who's one of the entrepreneurs in the book who has a goat farm, and he's sort of in the heart of dairy country, what could this mean? And he said, well, you know, those creameries are completely automated. They have almost no employees. They're very profitable. Um, I found that very interesting. There's a certain segment of these businesses that are private equity backed. Um, for instance, the 10 to 19 employees, reinsurance was the top one. And in case anyone doesn't know what reinsurance is, I happen to have an old friend that works in that industry. It's the insurance companies that back insurance companies. And what these guys do, they're basically financial professionals if people bought life insurance and all the policies are coming due, that's a liability for the insurance company. So they buy that liability. So the insurance company's books look better and then they resell it or do, you know, do their financial thing with it. So there's some businesses that like those would be hard to get into. So what I did was I did an analysis. I interviewed almost 60 entrepreneurs for this book and based on the findings from the chart and what they said, I came up with a list of the businesses I think that are very promising for someone who wants to start a tiny business, up to twenty employees, that makes over a million dollars. And it was the number one is e-commerce, business-to-business e-commerce is really um, a lucrative one across all the different size categories. Um, then I have a category called souped-up service businesses. Um, These are basically like a service business with more of an informational marketing component. One example would be Jenna Kutcher. She's a photographer. She sells online courses on how to do photography. So she's basically an e-commerce entrepreneur, but then she's also an Instagram influencer and that is how she makes her money. She puts the photographs on her Instagram page. A lot of them, she has this adorable family and it's all about family life, and she gets a lot of advertising revenue. Um, so that's an avenue to think about. Manufacturing, I mentioned the Build-A-Bear workshop guy. Um, wholesaling, this is kind of a crossover with business-to-business e-commerce. A Bhatra is 29. He lives in Texas, and he used to be a Chevron engineer, and he wanted to have his own business so he can travel. He travels all over the world constantly. it's called flexible pouches. What he sells are the dullest product you could ever imagine those plastic bags inside of cereal boxes and pharmaceutical packaging. And he found out that um, he started going to trade shows to research this industry. And he found that the big cereal companies like Kellogg, they have their own suppliers, they're ordering like millions and millions of these bags. He didn't Really have the financial might to be a supplier to somebody that big, but he found there were a lot of smaller companies that need the bags at affordable prices, so, but he stopped going to the trade shows and he just put it all online. So he's got a beautiful e-commerce business that gives him tremendous freedom. So that's something to think about, these millionaire next door type businesses where like, no, if you go to a cocktail party no one really wants to talk to you about plastic bags, right? But he has a great lifestyle, a really interesting life. He travels everywhere that he wants to go. He makes it brings in about three million dollars a year. He was a million dollar one-person business who graduated and now has a few employees. Um, that's, that's something to think about if you have the e-commerce skills. And I would really encourage people to look at those boring businesses. Like the ones that you, you drive past a route on your in your car all the time, and you see these sort of metallic-looking businesses, and you have no idea what they do. Inside that building is an entrepreneur who's raking it in, probably. <laughs> you know, and they don't care if their business isn't fun to talk about at a cocktail party. They, there's so much creativity in the entrepreneurship. Same with e-commerce, right? You could sell a product that's so boring. Um, like some small part of cars that people need. But if you are really creative in how you market it, how you master the digital advertising online, how you package your website, all the, you know, the end, maybe there's some genius thing you come up with with the shipping so that you ship it faster. That's where the creativity and excitement is. And then you also have the lifestyle too.
1: E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are.
0: Are you confused about choosing the right platform and hosting option to launch your online store or to speed up and streamline your existing business? I've always used WordPress and WooCommerce for my projects, and last year I moved my hosting to the super-fast solution, Cloudways. The Cloudways team have now made it even easier to set up a new WooCommerce site from scratch with their all-in-one solution, the Cloudways Starter Bundle. The Cloudways Starter Bundle offers all the essential plugins and tools to run your store smoothly from day one. It really does make launching a new WooCommerce site super-fast and super-easy so you can and focus on your product content and marketing. Plus, the Cloudways starter bundle is backed by fast hosting, lightning fast 24-7 support, and it's on a platform that makes it all really easy for anyone to manage. Go to cloudways.com slash masterplan today to get up to two months of free hosting worth $25 using the promo code masterplan. We've all reached peak frustration at one point or another with Google Ads. You've created a beautiful campaign with all the right keywords and targeting and ads that are the perfect fit for your perfect customer. But the sales just aren't coming in and you just can't work out which Google Ads lever you should pull to fix it. Sound familiar? Well, thanks to my friends over at Specialist PPC Agency Digital Gearbox, you don't have to struggle any longer. Digital Gearbox take the hassle out of navigating the murky, dark arts waters of Google Ads. And right now they're offering a free in-depth account audit for anyone who might be stuck in a rut with their campaigns. To improve your Google Ads performance, please book your free audit today at digitalgearbox.co.uk forward slash masterplan.
1: It's time for the top tips round.
0: There you have everyone, um, as Elaine was just saying, boring products rule. Let's see uh, how interesting or boring product focused her top tips are because uh, it's time to do the top tips round. So, Elaine, are you ready for these?
2: I'm ready, yeah,
0: excellent. Okay, the book top tip if everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book, other than yours, would you recommend?
2: Well, it's, it's, um, I'll show you although I'm not on camera, Free Time by Jenny Blake. Um, It's coming out around the same time. And what she does is break down the processes for automating your business. It's perfect for e-commerce sellers. I'm really excited about it. And um, I, I think anybody who reads it will probably get back at least a half a day of time that they can put towards either having fun or growing their business.
0: No, that is definitely not boring. Um, definitely one to check out. Okay. The traffic top tip which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
2: Definitely word of mouth. I think relationship marketing is the most important kind. And word of mouth can be digital, by the way, for e commerce sellers. It could just be, you know, like, You appear on a podcast or whatever and someone hears what you have to say and they're intrigued and then they go look at your website. Um, But building relationships, taking that extra 15 minutes to talk to somebody that you just met, your supplier, for instance, it's funny how those things create good karma around your business. Like you always treat your supplier well by paying them five days early if you can afford to do that. Then when you're in a crunch, you can work things out where they they help you out. That's very important, I think.
0: I love that one. Um, okay, the tool top tip: maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
2: Well, f- for me personally, because I'm a freelance writer, it might be different than for an e-commerce seller. I like Schedule Once for scheduling my calendar. Um, But one that I'm very intrigued by from the book that I'm planning to introduce is Notion. Um, That's the one uh, Brian Dean at Backlinko is using to manage his whole team. And it's funny, I just spoke with Jenny Blake and she uses it too. She's put her whole business on it. I think the way um, Brian mentioned it was Slack and Asana had a baby um (laughs) so that that in itself is kind of interesting i i I like podia interests me a lot too for um a lot of people are putting a lot of their business on that for courses like sometimes you have e-commerce sellers who are teaching other people how to do some aspect of the business podia is pretty reasonably priced and i i've heard a lot of rave reviews about it so Um, that's a good one. Another tool that I use um, for my business that I think would be relevant for e-commerce entrepreneurs is bench accounting. Um, It's for bookkeeping. I think a lot of people, especially if they have inventory, bookkeeping is so complicated and they're always behind on it. And the way bench works is you basically connect all your different accounts. Like if you have an American Express business card that you buy the inventory with your bank account, uh, you can control, uh, attach, attach your payroll and it all uploads automatically. It's an AI tool, but then you have a real bookkeeper. If you have questions, you can book time with them to talk about things. And since I started using it, I was always chronically behind on my bookkeeping and then I had a one-person bookkeeping shop, but what would happen is, in tax season, she would get very overwhelmed, and finally, she reached this point of crying uncle. But now my taxes were due, and I had no one to do the books, and I was desperate. So I found out actually from a podcaster he used Bench, and 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 so they did like, you know, six or seven months worth of books in in a few weeks, and it's about. I, like for my business, it costs about $200 a month. It's well worth it because I used to be in on Saturday. It would be like a beautiful sunny day trying to get my QuickBooks to balance. I didn't really have any training in QuickBooks. And I would just never never really do it right. And it would cost me a lot in accounting fees not doing it right. Then even you know, the bookkeeper took care of that. But this was even better because if one person gets busy, then they put another person on the account. So I'm never late.
0: And then the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them?
2: I'd say to lean into the aspects of the business that you love the most and that have been most successful for you and drop the obligation. Try to find ways to get rid of the aspects of the business that you hate or that just aren't your strength. And really devote serious time to taking inventory of how you're spending your time. One of the things I do, um, I work with a business coach named Doug Wick, who mostly worked with middle market companies. And one of the things he did with me that was most valuable was to have me create a Google sheet where I tracked every hour of the day and how I was spending my time. And I realized that like transcriptions for me and my business are such a time suck. I hate doing them. And someone else could easily do that. I don't know why I was even doing them. I wasn't even really aware I was doing them. It was just like part of what I do. Um, So that's something where like you could get Zoom, the, the paid Zoom has an AI transcription. If you start noticing things in there that are mundane, get rid of them because they're sucking the energy out of you as an entrepreneur, ruining your day. There's no reason to do them. At all. And you're probably, I I think it's a consciousness thing. Like you're probably not even conscious you're doing some of these things. You might become conscious that there are things that are seemingly mundane in your day that you like doing. Um, Like maybe you get your best ideas when you're washing dishes. I I find for me, my son is 11, he goes to karate, and I could hire somebody to drive him there if I want to be totally efficient. But I love talking to him in the car. I have. The three other kids, I don't get the one-on-one time with him as much as I want. So I always know that on those days, I have that time. And technically, it's not efficient, but I would never give it up. And so there, I think allowing yourself to do the, the seemingly routine things where you do get something out of it is important too. And they may not be in your business. They might just be in your life.
0: I love that answer. We don't get enough... Answers to the growth top tip that focus in on your own energy. And it is so crucial because if you don't have any energy, you're not going to bring any to the business and you're not going to grow. Um, Elaine, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your book, please?
2: Oh, sure. Um, Well, the book is on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com or, you know, other major bookstores and um, they can reach me on LinkedIn under my full name or on Facebook or Twitter. And I really encourage them to write to me. It makes me a better journalist if I know what's on your mind. It gives me topics I can research and share on Forbes or the other outlets that I contribute to. And I do write back. I really love hearing from entrepreneurs and I always find e-commerce entrepreneurs are so interesting. You know, they're, they're, um, they're so global you know, because of the nature of being out there on, on the web. And I, I just love their observations.
0: Excellent. And the name of Elaine's book, just so you all know, is Tiny Business, Big Money, Strategies for Creating a High Revenue Micro Business. Well, Elaine, it has been a pleasure catching up with you again. And um, I know I know this chat will have helped many of our listeners, and I'm sure many of them are going to go read and absorb and consume your book. So thanks so much for coming on and telling us all about it.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me, Chloe. Always a pleasure to speak with you.
0: So some fascinating insight there from Elaine, which I suppose got all of all of you thinking a little bit about what you're doing and and how you're going about about building your business and getting those processes in place. Because I think. I think the key things I'm taking from it, you have to have your mindset right. I think that goes for us in all businesses. Business has changed and what employees want has changed a lot in recent years. So we need to be ready to adapt and change. And also the tools we can use have changed a lot too to enable us to be more flexible. And that we need to have the right foundations in place for what we're planning on doing. You know, ideally, you don't want to have to go back to work. Uh, for someone else, you want to be able to build, focus on building your ideas, but also have the foundations there that enable you to be flexible to take um, the advantage of new opportunities like those virtual products she was talking about, um, and to to change your team based on what is and isn't working. Now, you can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you liked this episode, then check out ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash startup for the full list of all our startup focused episodes. We put them all together on one page for you. So, if you're in that space at the moment early stage, pre-startup, you will find a lot of great inspiration there. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their businesses, including progressing along that path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please do tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Have a brilliant week and don't forget to keep optimizing. check out the new all-in-one solution, Cloudways Starter Bundle. It really does make launching a new WooCommerce site super fast and super easy, so you can focus on your product, content, and marketing. Plus, the Cloudways Starter Bundle is backed by fast hosting, lightning fast 24-7 support, and it's on a platform that makes it all really easy for anyone to manage. Go to cloudways.com slash masterplan today to get up to two months of free hosting worth $25.00 using the promo code masterplan.